Drum roll, please. Hello and hello and welcome to this, the newest episode of the Ian Prendercast, a Carlton podcast. Tell you what, what are you doing, Fab? Turn the fucking volume down. The mix is out. <laughs> it, it mixes out. You'll you'll hear it and you'll hear what a fool you are in the record. It's time. It's that time of week. Got to crack open the jam donuts because we've kicked the ton. Our percentage is above 100 and we're in the eight. In the eight. <laughs> and we're so jazzed up after the extraordinary shit sandwich it was last Thursday night. They made us wait for absolution, but when it came, it was well worth waiting. Uh, we've decided to put together this record and get it out as quickly as we can because I'm sure, like all Carlton fans, we want to indulge it and live in it and just celebrate was a, was a sensational night, the best of the year thus far. Joined, as always, of course, by the big fubber ganoush. He's worried about his iPhone battery. <laughs> a little concerned, but I said it, I got the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant game of football. I thought we were going to get undone by some tin artery early on, but we were consistent, I think for the first time for four quarters tonight, and a just dessert for the win. So very happy camper over here. What's your phone sitting at at the moment? 43%. Okay, well I reckon we keep tabs on that as the record goes on. Just right. to we're, at, we're at set a field at the moment. We'll see. When we get to Murph, we're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Knowing you're like Fabian, you'll be making a really, really excellent point, then you'll just be gone. We'll just move on without you. Um, we're joined, yeah. of course, as always, by Mr. Glass Half Full, Dr. Davis, Tim Davis. I, I shudder to think... Sean, how are you, sir? Well, look, after performances like this, I get nervous throwing to you because um, you can get a bit excited and uh, there can be a fair bit of chat. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, look, and, and I will be chatting tonight. I think it was it was just really exciting to be able to see um, that even team effort. There was no reliance on any one player. And, and I think contribution from players that have, that, that have only played that 30 to 60 games of footy was really, really important tonight. And we've always sort of said the depth of talent that we've bolted onto this team over the last two or three years, four years even, um, was always going to bear fruit. We were going to get a hold of a couple of teams every now and again. And, um, you know, wow, we 52 points, cracked a ton in a shortened game. Um, and if the umpires didn't have as much influence on the game at times as they did, they'd have scored less. We'd have scored more. It could have been It could have been a 14-goal win. It, no, it could have been, absolutely. unheard of. Um, before we get off and kick off, sorry, into the main uh, crux of this review show, uh, just a special shout-out to a friend of my cousin who it's uh, come to my attention is a listener of the show, Dave Bluonski. So a shout-out to you, Dave, for being a loyal listener. And G'day, Dave. Came across my desk that you listen to the show and enjoy the show. I hope that's not a stitch-up by Tom. If it is, I'll kill him. But um, is, is his surname Bluonski? Bluonski. B- and he's Bluonski for B L E W O N S K I. It's it's blue bagger in Polish. Yeah, that's, exactly that's, right. That smells like a stitch up for what it's worth. I mean, if, if your surname's Blueovsky or whatever, you've got to be a Carlton supporter. But that does. Does he break the Chelsea third? Well, I mean, potentially. But I mean, probably after the oil money came in, maybe. But look, it's good to have Dave listening in. So shout out to Dave. I'm not sure if he's expecting that, but um, 
I hope he enjoys it nonetheless. It was funny. Sitting, Love you, Doug. Sitting there, uh, obviously, before the bounce, waiting for it to start, I thought it was at 6.05. Um, so you can only imagine my mindset when I found out it was at 6.45, and I realised I've got to find something to do for 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> well, lucky I called then. Yeah, you did call, and we, we waxed for a while about you know political issues, and you know, it was a real – it's like an, an episode of Insiders. Um Every week I'm reminded, I sit there and I wait for the game to begin and whether you're at the game itself or you're sitting on the couch waiting for it to start, I don't know about you guys, every week I'm reminded that I hate every other team in the comp so deeply for one reason or another. I've got like a really deep-seated, irrational, like really extraordinarily vivid hatred of every other team in the competition that you'd think there'd be one or two you're kind of ambivalent about. But when I'm waiting for that bounce, I'm sitting there going, fucking Bulldogs. Fucking hate you. <laughs> I, I I concur with most. Um, I've got a sweet, a uh, soft spot for the, for the Lions, for the Roy boys. No, um, hate them. Timbo, Timbo's got a soft spot, but Timbo's got a soft spot for half the fucking league for one reason or another. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Timbo's blood, Timbo's power, Timbo's cat. He does oh, like please. the cats. I, I can't have the cats. I can't have the cats. But I said, I just, I just you, you would think that there'd be one or two that you kind of just, they just don't really rate a mention or they don't really register. But no, they all do. Well, like I said, 15 minutes before every game, I'll be sitting there, I'll remember something, why I hate you. And I'll just go, fucking can't wait to roll you, cunts. <laughs> I'll just sit there going, I fucking hate you so much. So. Well, well let's let go of the anger, Sean. Tuck into some donuts. No, but that, that's what makes the anger so much better, Fabian, is because it was actually channeled into this really aggressive kind of passion that then manifests itself as pure joy when we started the game as we did. And what was really pleasing for me, we'll get into it in the chicken salads, but just to make a point of it off the top of the show, we did it both ways. So first quarter, last quarter, the book ends, blew them away. Six goals tonight in the last quarter. It was five goals to two in the first quarter. Um, yep. Blew them away on the scoreboard and, and gave ourselves the breathing room, gave ourselves the reward for effort. But just as encouragingly, when we needed to dig deep, when it was backs to the wall, hands to the pump, we fucking dug in, dug in brilliantly. So, like I said, the positive isn't so much the win. The win is outstanding, and the nature of the win is outstanding. The margin of the win is outstanding. But the actual method that we did it on the scoreboard when we needed to, and then we pushed them, held them back when we needed to, was was just as good. Um, I know you, Tim and Fabian were very, very, very busy on the text going back and forth throughout the game. Um what part of it pleased you most, Timbo? Was it the offensive side of it or the defensive side of it? Um, I thought we played in general with a, a greater level of composure um, than I think I've seen our team play with in a long time. It, it was a game that had a very high pace, um, which is obviously the way that the Bulldogs want to play because that you know that suits their their method. They've obviously got a big guy in English in the ruck. They have two tall defenders. They have two tall forwards, and everything else is just run. Yeah, they have a bit of size in the middle, obviously with Bontempelli and McRae, but everything is run and gun and pace and space. And and at times we tried to match the speed, but we always looked better when we just floated it down and we just and we just find the next kick. And we, were, we were only trying to kick it twenty five meters up the ground and hit a target. It was trying to be safe yet fast and get the ball moving. But at times when we just had to take a little bit more care, utilise the ball better, a couple of one-twos either by hand or by foot, we waxed well together and it just opened up opportunities inside 50. 
Um, we didn't. We, we got unstuck a couple of times against St Kilda with our want to be able to switch the ball and kick it into the corridor. We were we did that a lot more carefully tonight. But the couple of times that we really went for that forty five kick, it came off and opened the game right, right up. And I thought we looked great. So from from a ball movement, ball retention perspective, probably the best I've seen us play in. Well, three five weeks. years maybe. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so it really feels impressive. like this this season's a weird one just because of the nature of the season and and so many things happening outside of the football and now where they're happening. But it does. We don't want to get. We don't want to be glass half empty in the sense that last week was really disappointing. The same. Uh, the the uh, Geelong game was outstanding, and what we did well against Geelong, we did for longer tonight, which was longer, which was yep. great ball movement and the like. I think Fabian, you know, you you said uh, on the text just at three quarter time that. The first goal was so important in the last quarter. I've always had the mantra of Fabian that the most important goal is the next goal. But um, I think that what was so encouraging for us was we didn't wait for the game to come to us in that last quarter. No, no, exactly. And it was the first time, and I touched on it earlier on, and you said it just then, it was not a performance, but this was, it seemed more complete. We, we, we were focused and switched on. And, yeah, the Bulldogs had their, their instances of momentum, but I think our application and our effort for four quarters was on from minute one up until the end. Well, we keep going the siren. So um, that was the most pleasing for me. It was a four-quarter effort. And even when the opposition had their moments of dominance or, or superiority, we didn't capitulating what we wanted to. You know what, you know what summed that was, up? There was, there was a moment... It was good. It was a, you, you hit the nail on the head. There was a moment quite late in the game where... And I, I think this is the sort of effort that will get a lot of a lot of replay and a lot of chatter on the internal review where Tommy Williamson was com- competing and putting himself right in the mix 20-odd metres out from our attacking goal. The dogs get it out, transition it up the field. Williamson's 20 metres out from our defensive goal. He's tracked the ball yeah. up the field, and I think as an individual typifying the larger collective performance, that was really indicative of everyone's work rate. When we needed to defend, as we made a point of earlier, when we needed to dig in, everyone did. Like you said, the dogs were going to have their moments, and they did for periods of the second quarter, periods of the third quarter. But we didn't – I think everyone seemed alert. Everyone or everyone on the field seemed cognizant of, all right, we're in a, we're in a phase of game here where we need to be pretty switched on. Um, we need to, you know, not take unnecessary risks. We need to be there to help as an outlet, and they did it. They did it flawlessly. We did it for large periods against Geelong, and like against Geelong, you know, you're waiting for the other team to get the run on that they're going to have. I mean, you might remember Tim. Um, we we had a chat at the Gold Coast game last year at Marvel, where the crowd was really angsty early in the game, and it's like the other team's going to score. Like we're not going to keep them goalless. So. Although, exactly. we, although we played really well, you go, the dogs are going to have their periods of dominance. They're going to have those periods. We've got to make sure we limit their damage. But we're going to be under the pump at times. So for me, it was so pleasing how we responded to the, the two phases of the game, taking the game on when we needed to, taking our chances, and then obviously limiting their chances going back the other way. Um, we would probably want to get into the chicken salads, I suppose. Um yep. There's only one place to start if we do it sort of in a linear fashion, Fabian. Pressure early on. Phenomenal from from the get go, but it was adequately 
channeled pressure and aggression. Sometimes you could you could just come out and be a little bit overzealous and you're not getting the reward for the effort of pressure you're putting on. You're giving away free kicks. You're kind of you're going in hard for the sake of going in hard to kind of set. Whereas this was channeled, focused aggression, tackling, pressure, space management. Everything was just on. And I think that's that's it's something that we need to now point to to say, guys, that's how we start every week. Because if we start like that, we've shown that we get the other three quarters right <laughs> most of the year. So that was real pleasure. I, I say it again every week that this man performs adequately, let alone as well as he did tonight. I throw to Timbo with great trepidation, Timbo, but what we saw particularly early from Harry Mackay was exactly what we need to see from him. Like exactly the effort, the competition on the air. He's very agile, pacey guy on the deck and he made it pay. He was a real presence at ground level. Um, we said on the text, this was the game he needed. He needed a performance like this after a couple of down weeks. Um, and he certainly gave us an outstanding um, overall very good game, no doubt about it, but particularly a first quarter and a bit to really set it up. Look, I, I thought he was exceptional. He's, um, I think as you sort of say, he, he's a funny guy in that he's, what, 203, 204 centimetres, but he's fast and he's aggressive and he's he's probably a better mark on a lead than he is in a pack. But you just there are elements to him that you just sort of think, this skill's only going to improve, that skill's only going to improve, you know, pack marking and all that sort of stuff and genuine presence. But you're right, to be able to see him put ground level pressure on, I, my crit- my criticism of Harry is sometimes he puts, he's a bit silly, and, and what you said before about pressure for pressure's sake, Fabian, I, I think at times he can be undisciplined, and in his efforts to be physical, he just gives away a free kick, and, and you sit there and you go, no, you just want to make, you want to make the opposition uncomfortable enough that there's the risk that they're going to make make a mistake. If you can lay the tackle and nail on the way that he did with Jason Johannes, well, yeah, for goodness sake, do it and capitalise. But the fact that he's there and he's really just asking the question all of the time to be able to do that at ground level, to be able to lead so well, to be able to chase in the forward line, take your marks, kick your goals. Um, he, he really has a very, very um, well-rounded game. He just needs to do it more consistently. And it was the consistency and consistency of effort that had probably been lacking. And um, there were still instances where a couple of the big guys still competed for marks that they probably shouldn't have, but they seemed to be able to understand one another's space better and the system in the forward line seemed to be there. But yeah, Harry Mackay, pressure, effort, all that sort of stuff, 10 out of 10 tonight was exceptional he's a weird one isn't he like what we saw tonight was so much of the good that we know that he can do whereas in recent weeks there'd been there'd been just these weird glimmers of yeah that's good but geez that's that's not so good he feels like like us as a team a little bit a guy that just i don't know when he's on he's on and you don't really know how he got to that place mentally how he got to that place you know in terms of his preparation his build-up and like i mentioned earlier willow's effort up and down well, Harry's sort of a microcosm of the team in that sense that clearly against the Saints, our issue was, as it has been in the in the losses we've had, the start. Clearly it was, geez, we've started so poorly, we've given ourselves too much to do, how do we make up the ground, can we? No, we don't have enough time, margin for error shrinks. 
So like that, getting that mindset of right of, geez, how do we find the trigger to get these starts right? Harry's, how do we find the triggers to engage Harry, to get him involved in the game, to get him involved um, when he doesn't have the ball? And then obviously when he's leading up and, and can compete as well. Um, the other enormous positive, clearly, uh, I think it was Nick Rewalt might have mentioned it on the coverage, Fabian. This win wasn't on the back of Patrick Cripps. Cripps was, he, he did his bit, did some nice bits and pieces, but after his shoulder knock, we didn't need him to drag our asses over the line. Will Setterfield was fantastic. Michael Gibbons was fantastic. Josh uh, Josh Kennedy. Matthew Kennedy was fantastic. Um, you know, Sam Walsh worked his balls off. Um, we had so many contributors in that midfield group that meant that we didn't need Cripps to be Superman. Did you ever feel uncomfortable with a Kennedy, Setterfield, and who else was in at the centre bounces? Oh, Gibbons was there and, a fair bit. And Gibbons. But there was times I'm looking at that going, the way they're going, I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable here. So, well, McRae wasn't hurting us. He, he wasn't super involved in the game. Bailey Smith had a good game. Bontempelli floated in and out, but obviously Ed did a cracking job on him on nullifying him. But And, and English, unlike last time that we played against them, when he really crucified us, um, it, there was it, a consistent one there. Consistency of effort by Pitnet against him, and Pitnet wasn't dominant. He didn't need to be, but he was probably better when the ball hit the ground. He won the hit out. He won yeah, the hit outs. Good to know. So the hit outs were thirty-three to twenty-seven. So it was, you know, did a lot of it was, was halved. Yeah. Did a lot of great work when the ball was on the ground, complementing complementing our clearance clearance mids on the ground and and facilitating sort of exit from stoppage. I thought he was he was. Wonderful, but just just on that midfield mix, like I said, there's just that maturity coming now. Where I still remember um, Matty Kennedy's first game for us, and he looked like he'd popped his Achilles. What people probably might not remember is until he did that, which was literally about three minutes into the game, he was outstanding. Yeah. We'd started hot, and he was in everything, and you just went yeah. fuck. Well, he, cu- he covered the ground really well tonight. He, looked there was, true. he got better. He, he looked. He got true. better. The game Fred was exceptional. No, he looked Look, fantastic. He looked, I wouldn't say that he looked fast, but he was covering the ground really, really well. You can play fast him with that. He doesn't. He doesn't obviously from a pure speed point of view. He's not a fast footballer, but you can play fast football without being physically. Well, he's certainly never speed, been so. fitter and more prepared to play football than what he is right now. And I and I reckon his first. He made probably more errors in the first half of the game just because of, you know. It's a natural thing. Tempo, speed out. Of the year. Exactly. Yeah. So, but he was in those positions to make any errors that he did make. He had himself in there. And as the game wore on, he was there constantly. Um, huge praise for him. Huge praise for Sam Walsh. I sent a text to you guys saying, I think Sam Walsh is maybe he's a bit off. I said maybe he's been affected by all the, the bullshit noise that's been happening in and around the media. But, the minute I said I dropped that text, from that point onwards, he was in everything. He's, he's running, he's spread. What about the hands at half back, Timbo? I uh, loved it. Yeah, just there was that one that he released. Uh, it was first quarter, but it was late in the first quarter. I can't remember who he actually released, but it was no it was sec- it end was of the a really, second. It was end of the second. It was the end of the second. Was uh, it? Yeah, it was because we were going right hand side of the screen. Yep, yep. Cunners put I'm, the I'm gonna, excellent kick in. I'm going to reap some praise on Sam Walsh here. It might be unjust, but 
You know, some players, when they're in trouble, they get the ball and they just blindly kick and blaze down the line. And it could be four opposition players. Andrew Crutter used to do it all the time. And the ball would just be coming back over your head. I think Sam Walsh assesses where the space is and where the outlet kick can go. Because there'll be a lot of time he gets the ball and just turns and kicks it. But it never comes back to bite him in the arse type of thing. It's always in that space where we've either got a one-on-one or it's the space that we can work into without actually getting punished. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and say that his understanding of the game enables him to, when we need to, to slam the ball in the boot, that he knows at least where to put it. Yeah. He had to do that a couple of times, at least in the third quarter or the last as well. So, no, super happy with his game. He super was very, happy. very busy in the second half. Um, yep. I think the other the other big win Tim touched on it clearly, uh, Ed Kerno did a super job on, on Bont and Pelly, uh, so much so that Bont went forward, and then that kind of allowed Ed to go on to Bailey Smith, who had had a really good night as well. And Smith's influence waned you know, from that point on there, and they obviously didn't get anything out of Bont forward. He did kick the goal earlier, but so that was a real win-win for us. I was really pleased with that, that we just went, okay, well, we obviously don't need to said Ed with Bont forward. We can redeploy him on this other mid who's doing a good job. We can curtail him. And that was a huge part of us then retaining the ascendancy and moving the wheel back in in our favour. Um, huge winner for us on the night. This guy, <clears throat> we all knew what an unbelievably talented player he was. He certainly had insider information on the conditions up there. Jack Martin was superb. Chef's kiss, Fabian. He's so, he's so good in the air, isn't he? Oh. Like he's good at ground level and he's clean. His kicks inside 50. There was one that just went to Levi in the lead when he went and pinged it from downtown. Um, but just, again, it's just, there's a simplicity and a crisp, crispness to the way that he plays. There's nothing um, he can't do. There's nothing he can't do well. You're right. Absolutely. And as they say, at training, they said he's as hard as a cat's head, plays fast, goes hard, really physical, plays play tackle. Yep. Um, he's, what he adds, the dimension that he adds to us as a team, and, and we don't have to wax about you know, the, the manner in which he came to the club and the fact that Soss was always in, in control and all that sort of stuff of proceedings. Um, but to have him now um, and be another bolt onto what was already a, a, a very strong, deep developing team, the belief that the wider performance adds, but his influence straight away, um, adding a real blue Raband player to our team, just she's just improved us quickly. I love that you said Raband, Timbo, because that's the correct yeah. term. Um, that's right. Everyone's it's not, a, not, a, not a pun of ice cream. Unbelievable mark, strong in the contest. He's got a bit of hard edge about him. Skills are exceptional, vision's exceptional. Overall game intelligence and sense of where his teammates are, where his opponents are, where the space is, phenomenal. Um, he, he was absolutely exceptional tonight. And to be honest with you, before the game, I mentioned his knowing the conditions. I sort of thought, geez, he, he, he's not going to be the difference as such, but he'll be an important player, especially when it was bucketing down. This yep. guy would have played in this. He knows it. He knows the ground. He knows what it's like when it's like this. This guy could be a real point of difference for us. Um, and boy, was he. He was unbelievable. Um, Fabian, there was some... Well, and credit where it's due, I think, I think for the dogs, that kid, um, Lathan Vandermeer, 
actually bobbed up and was a little bit of a thorn in our side. Not not that he ever felt like he was ever going to be. What is he, Fabian? Tell us. He's a fucking pinard. <laughs> everything, even the last one, which he missed, and I, I gave the biggest excuse. That's all you deserve, you pinard to the screen. Everything landed in this block. Now, yeah. Yeah. He didn't necessarily it. play well. He he, but but, but he, he seemed to be on the end of up. everything. He seemed to yeah, be on the end did. of everything, he did. especially all the unintentional stuff. So, but he was the only guy that looked at any stage like he was going to contribute anything like the way that Martin was for us, and and that was the thing. In the end, we just had too many, too many efforts and performances that came to the plate um, that they just like they, they just couldn't continue to match our. Um, uh, the quality of effort and the impact that we were making. I'll, I'll say this. Between Nathan Vandermeer and Jack Martin, there's two first names and two surnames. It's just a pity. The one's got two surnames and the other one's got two first names. What is Latham? That is not a first name. Well, I'd say he's Dutch or something, wouldn't it? If I if I, I was the nurse, mate, I would have said to the parents when they handed in the birth papers, I would have said, go back and have another crack. I, it's funny That's you say right. that, Fabian. I, I've thought for a while now that our hospital system could do a lot worse than have, you know, veto power. Have somebody in the building at all times that can veto stupid names, <laughs> stupid spellings, it's just bad yeah. names. They just say that shit. Try again. Shane Whitnell. <laughs> well, Shane Whitnell. <laughs> what do you mean, Shane Whitnell? <laughs> He's got a son whose name's Xavier, spelt with an E yeah, that's awful. That's unforgivable. <laughs> and that's what you'd say to him. Okay, Shane, I get annoyed with the pronunciation of Xavier when just... the name is fucking Xavier. Blame that on the X-Men, funnily enough. I think that's popularised Charles Xavier. Xavier, you fucking yeah. morons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we digress. We're in a good mood. Um, the next, obviously, cap off the rank for us, Fab, there was a little bit of talk uh, in the build-up, um, you know, late in the week, and then as the, the weather forecast became a little bit clearer on the Gold Coast that it was going to be wet, might have been pretty nasty, and it was certainly wet for large portions of the first part of the game. We did look like we were going in big. We spoke about Harry and Harry's influence, but for all the concerns we should have had or might have had about the height of our team going in, they all performed unbelievably well. It's because we didn't play excessively tall. Our tools were great. With when the ball hit the deck, we were clean. We were in contest. Um, it's and that's why when you look at stat sheet, you'll, you'll pick up like you know most of our forwards probably had or, or tall forwards probably had under ten possessions, but they were in contest. They were influential. You know the little knock-ons, the tackles. Just the, you just know knowing the, that they're there, the pressure. Correct. Correct. Um, and I was saying to Timbo just before you hit record was the only time, and, and I was happy almost to see it, is when you know we'd go long into the forward fifty and we'd kind of spoil ourselves, where all our key forwards kind of went for the same ball a couple of times. But at least we were there; there was a willingness to compete for it. So there's a difference between selecting tall people and playing tall and playing like we did tonight. But but I think and you probably touched on a little bit too before speed in some of our tools is um, gives us a little bit of versatility. I mean, Liam Jones pace and ability to be able to cover and get to contests in the air and on the ground in defense is great. We talked about Harry Mackay's speed. We talked a lot about Mitch McGovern's power, power running and speed around the ground 
and how he uses that offensively and defensively. Um, you, you you can easily look at it and go, yep, too tall. Um, and it just, you're right, just did not play out that way at all. And, and Levi, Levi was um, really utilised well as that um, target around the ground. There was the 45 kick from Mitch McGovern into the channel that... Um, that uh, Levi marked and then we played on from um, really used him like he, yes he's tall in that instance but it, it doesn't change the way that the game gets played it could have been any footballer in that position it's just good when it's Levi because you know he's not, not going to drop the mark um, but yeah our, our pace in our size just didn't leave us wanting at all which was terrific they're tall but they're not lumbering slow they're not, yeah, they're not Harry right, Madden dinosaurs you know yeah. Which is which is positive. Um, next chicken salad uh, special shout out to this guy because he, he is the source of much angst amongst the Carlton fans, the Carlton fraternity. But in his hundredth game tonight, Lockie Plowman, and and particularly in the second third quarters when the momentum was against us and the Bulldogs had the run of play, uh, Lockie Plowman was just outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And and he's a guy that takes his knocks. Fabian's written him off dozens of times. Um, Fabian's one. Fabian also gave him votes a couple of weeks ago, which was laughable. But gone off half cocked. We, we don't want to. He gave him votes probably two weeks too early, but we, we don't want to you know, dwell in the past. But uh, Fabian, you, you must have been impressed as we all were with with Plough's overall performance, um, particularly when we were under the cosh. Correct. Um, it, it's his his placement. Um, I don't think he was as when I gave him the votes. It was he was his off the off the ball work, and then when he had the ball in hand, how assured he was. Whereas tonight, it was his placement, and his it was it was a cog in a very good defensive machine. It was he was he played his role to a T. Now, if you look, he's one of those ones you need to watch four quarters of football. You need to watch a game to realise how good he's playing. Because what people will do is detractors will just look at the stat sheet and see he's had probably ten touches, but he played a role that suggests it was much, much better than that. Was that it? You, you done on that? I concur, Fabian. I concur. Yeah. Well, oh, well, that's what I mean. I, I, it was a very, very solid performance. By well, I thought I'd again. let you go. You were making a good point. And I'll, I'll, I'll use the word again. I'll use the word again. You were on a roll. You were making a good point. I thought I'd just let you go, and then you thought, I've had enough now. That's it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll, short and sharp. We're... we're, we're we're oh. down to uh, Mark, Mark Pitnett in the battery. So, uh. Oh, really? <laughs> um, so. And then obviously that flows into Plough's overall performance, um, flows into that of our defensive unit. Uh, Doherty, you know, Simo was great. That was Simo's best game of the year quite comfortably. Um, yeah. Uh, Tommy Williamson absolutely loved his game. I thought he was he was exceptional, um, not just for that effort I outlined, but just his his. His ball use was very good. His will to compete was great. He looked like he suffered the knock on the ankle early, which would um, which would uh, affect him. But he, he battled through that, which was excellent. Samo, how good was the goal celebration? Very the, uh, good. While getting, while getting, while he was getting red, ankle tape. Great, yeah, it was good. great sense of. It's, I don't know what I took out. I love the sense of team. Obviously, guys will be excited about a goal. It's nothing exceptional about that, but just his sense of. We've gotten reward. What we're doing is working. We're working as a team. We're getting to that ends as a unit, rather than just you know on the seat of our pants. But Samo, I thought was excellent as well. He loves playing the dogs. Um, Does he love a wet surface? 
for a guy, for a genuinely, for a guy who comes from the middle of bumfuck WA, where it just never rains, th- this guy's <laughs> ability in the wet, it needs a needs a it needs a royal commission. They need to look into this because he is laughably good when it's raining. Might have been born with web feet, you reckon? Oh, and maybe seriously, Premier, Premier League style, Premier League style. We need to water the ground before we play. Just, just, just in that in that quadrant where Samo's playing for the quarter, yeah. we just, we just, we just, just you know, turn on the uh, turn on the old sprinklers and just get it a bit wet because he is so clean with a wet football. It's not funny. I genuinely, yeah. he, he did provide one of the great shifts in emotion. The great uh, when he did that ludicrous pickup with one hand, running almost away from the oh. ball, and then he turns yeah. inside. I think he, like me, was feeling pretty happy about himself and went for the pretty difficult kick. And it got chopped off. But, um, I was almost You're trying you know, to dissect four Bulldogs players. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit like oh, I've just I've just done the best pickup of the night. Now I'm going to pinpoint this guy standing in the middle of a fucking <laughs> town square full of Bulldogs. Um, yeah. But look, he, he was excellent. Liam Jones was great. Um, well and truly had uh, what's his face, uh, Bruce. Well and truly had Bruce's number as the night went on. And this is a guy that you know he kicked six last week, so he was in good form and a good threat. And then, you know, Weeders, Weeders was great as well. He was obviously didn't wouldn't have gotten a whole lot of the ball. I don't have his stats handy, but wouldn't have got a whole lot of the pill. Six, six touches. But, well, yeah. I, I think Shaggy played a little bit more a little bit more of a defensive role like, yeah. to kind of keep him out of the play because they knew how dangerous he was. But then when the game Shaggy. got tight and uh and he needed to have uh presence and and he because he is a big body now he, he and he's, he's balanced and composed. He can still be around the footy and impact it, whether he's grabbing it or releasing. He's got good hands. Just killing he, contests. He's just smart. Yeah, exactly right. He's Josh Shaggy, two touches for five, five, um, what do they call them? Ranking points. points or ranking yeah. points. That's the wow. One. So yeah, two he, touches, no margin. So, like, well, you sit there, and I mean, I know we're still, it was funny that. When you remember this game from last year, you know we played them twice. We beat them by forty the first time and scored a hundred points the same way that we have tonight. Um, but the second time we played them, we got seven goals down twice against this mob and kept coming back. And obviously, it was the night that Charlie Kernow kicked seven, and you thought, geez, if you could have that sort of contribution back into the side as well, how much better would we be? But you do have to lament for Bulldogs' sake. The, the lack of Aaron Norton in that team, it, geez, it brings them right back to the field. They're, they're just not as dangerous. Um, and if you run through an opposition and you're too quick, too clever, too skillful, and you're able to take advantage, you'll beat sides. But with Norton out, they're, they're just not going anywhere at all, are they? I'm not sure about Norton's haircut, though. Oh, well, you can't have everything. Where would you put it? I don't know about that, man. I just... I reckon a little bit last dance, so you know Michael Jordan style with the the rumours that he was banned for um, you know gambling and whatnot. I reckon it might have something to do with Norton's haircut. I don't think he's actually injured. <laughs> I think the AFL have mandated he sit out till he get the shears out. Well, maybe maybe he got a uh, pizza delivered to his hotel room in quarantine and it's come up no good, and that's what he's missing. That he's was not the, really injured. He's, he's got food poisoning. That was the most utterly preposterous story I've ever heard in my life. They spent too long. They spent too long on that. No, but I don't, I don't think they. I, I don't think they spent long enough because the concept that 
someone tweeted it. It was this NBA um, reporter, and it was absolutely brilliant. The tweet was just, hi, this is Michael Jordan of the Bulls, and I would like a pizza delivered to my room. It's like, what? (laughs) This story doesn't make any sense at all. Um, But, yeah, look, the the defensive effort all up, the organisation and the scrambling and and the way that they played as a unit – We've seen it in dispatches, um, you know, throughout the course of this season, both when we're trying to make up ground and then also obviously in the wins we've had, which has been great. But, um, you know, tonight it was a particular highlight. You know, sometimes the attackers, as is often the case in sport, um, get all the credit, but uh, the work done as, as a rear guard as a unit was absolutely exceptional. Um, and then we touched on it just in general. I mean, uh, a little bit early, but just to finish the game off, as clearly as a chicken salad is, is to finish the game off in the manner that we did to have a lead at three quarter time that was handy, but by no means um, had, had you know, insurmountable to finish it off six goals to nil and to just shut the door and then just to keep on shutting it. Just fantastic. And, and, and I think from where we've come from as a team too, Sean, there are so many games that we've played where we've played well enough and you go, we probably deserve to win it, but you've still got to play your four quarters. You've got to finish it off. And you thought, if this team got a little bit of luck, maybe they could get a run on, maybe they could beat us. But you sat there and you thought, you're just that little bit, not scared, it's the, the wrong word, but you just you, you just sort of felt like this would be unjust if we don't win it. And rather than going into our shells the way that we did against Geelong and just hoping that the time runs out and we're still in front, this time we continued to play well, we continued to attack. And uh, and and reap the benefits from it. And um, challenge now is just to take that form. And it, I think actually Port play a similar style to mm, the Bulldogs. You know, very skillful, very quick hit targets. They've obviously got a better structure up forward than what the Bulldogs have. Um, and um, and they will be a challenge. But they're actually a very good team to have played just prior to playing the Port Adelaide. So. I think if they work out what the game plan needs to be, how they're going to structure up, um, the way that we would need to defend against Port is very similar to the way we'll just done against um, Western Bulldogs. So I'm actually quite happy about that. So, but we've just got to we we can't drop on the effort, the intensity, and the and the pressure that we've brought this week. Well, like that's that's the level. It's so it's so easy for us to sit here and say that's the standard. Because it's very obvious, that's the standard. The standard of um, offensive pressure they brought in the first quarter and then the standard of defensive sort of solidarity they brought for the most part. Like, that's the standard. It's very difficult to maintain that for four quarters, let alone at that level every single week. However, what we've shown, and, and you touched on the margin, in our two wins this year, our opponents have been flattered. You know, we've won by, what, a point and two points. But we were much, yep. much better value in those performances than those margins of victory. So it was so good tonight to get, you know, full freight for full freight. for the performance. Yep. The performance deserved a really solid, resounding win. And that was what was, again, so positive about beating the three kicks up at three-quarter time, but winning by nine kicks. You sit there and go, that's that's a great you know reward for effort and a reward for a really solid four-quarter disp- um, uh, showing. So absolutely agree. Um Chicken shits. I mean, to be honest with you, there's not many. We saw Mark Murphy potentially limp off at the end. We don't know the severity of that. Hopefully, uh, it was just a minor sort of knack. It was a pretty wet, ordinary night. So, uh, along with Crips, you sort of sit there and go, hopefully, it's just a minor sort of thing that's a bit sore because of the conditions more than it is anything structurally. Uh, so, I was saying late in the coverage, it might be a hip. 
from Mark Murphy. Yeah, which, hip for Murphy, yep. Like hip which flexor. is better than anything near the ankle, which yep. I know, you know, Tedros over here, Simbo Davis, is, is just waiting to, to get into the old medical jargon. He's our, he's our, version, of, he's our version of Jared Healy. You know, like Jared Healy did like a physio course 25 years ago. And then every time they go, oh, what do you reckon, Jared? And he goes, oh, I think it's the lateral, collateral, medial, uh, you know, inverted. Do you know what I like? You're going, Jared, just shut Jared. the fuck up. You know what you're talking about. <laughs> Jared, he says it with such conviction. Mm-hmm. It's like someone does something on the far side of the ground. Jared's seen it once and he's diagnosed. But, but looks, diagnosed like that, uh, looked like that was through the load, uh, load-bearing load uh, threshold there. Looks like that was uh, on the uh, load but side. the best thing tonight is he said, oh, yeah, no, he's had big, big, big problems with that uh, that ankle and the syndesmosis from a couple of seasons ago. Let's hope he hasn't stirred it up. And Alistair Lynch has turned around and said, he thought he was reaching for his hip. And then Jared's gone, yeah, whatever you reckon, Alistair. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it's worthwhile, time, Timbo, uh, yeah, worthwhile no, to... It's worthwhile to uh, consider, Timbo, that the syndesmosis uh, can flare if the lateral uh, medial uh, side uh, does get affected. He'll say shit like that, and then everyone just nods along and goes, okay, fair enough. He's like the old guy at the barbecue. You just sort of humour. you just like, yeah, yeah, good one. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Uh, seriously. It's kind of like what we do with Timbo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Timbo's in on the joke. Timbo knows it. Timbo plays up to it. Jared genuinely, they throw to him with something. He just waffles and gobshites his way through it, and they all go, thanks, Jared. Um, yeah, and, and then obviously the other one, the chicken shit. Uh, we've got a little bit of stuff on Twitter about it, actually, just looking at the responses there. But I think it deserves a mention because it was outrageously bad at times. The umpiring, my God. Collectively, and not just in this game, they can get fucked. Honestly, it is getting to the point where the AFL cannot continue to ratify every decision that they make. They have to come out and say they have got this wrong or they have got that wrong because it is becoming embarrassing. Timbo made an excellent point during the game on the text. <clears throat> the studs up, was it Lockie Hunter? Or was it Hunter uh, or McCray? No, it wasn't, wasn't. It was Mitch Wallace. Mitch Wallace, was, sorry. So. You sit there and go, they've paid it. He's kicked a goal from it. We have to live with that. We've won the game. We're not going to be hung up on it. But what they need to do, they need to come out, and you said this on the text, Timbo, just come out and say that's the wrong call. Should have been a free kick. But again, the funniest thing is if Toby Green walked down the main street of Footscray, he would be accosted because they hate that bloke. And the main reason they hate him is because of the studs up attack on Caleb Daniel or whoever it was. Well, Caleb Daniel's a fucking garden gnome. He didn't. He's, yeah, a, he's a midget, yeah. But you would sit there and every single Bulldog supporter, when Mitch Wallace you know, doesn't have that free kick paid against you, you go, yeah, fair enough. I mean, and, and look, it's, it's not going to change it, but you just sit there and you're going, there was a shift in the AFL's interpretation, and Jared White used to do it a lot once Simon Beaumont. Times as well. But the interpretation was, you put your studs up to protect, if you if you get anybody anywhere in the body, it's a free kick. And, and it's simple. And you're going, you don't do it, so therefore it's not a problem. And you're going, that's an obvious one right in front of you. And just not paid. And it was, I don't want to digress into other games, but did you see the hole in the ball on Todd Marshall yesterday. He got tackled by Finlayson or someone like that. Got tackled to the ground, was holding the ball. The blokes grabbed his head and pushed it into the ground right in front of the umpire. And you sit there and you're going, I know these days in footy, it's a real rarity to reverse a free kick. 
But if there ever was one, when you grab a guy's head and smash it into the ground and grind it into the dirt right in front of the umpire, you're going, that's one. Fabian, what odds, absolutely one. what odds was Timbo paying to turn this into the Port Power podcast? <laughs> I am a Todd Marshall fan. I'm, I'm an unabashed Todd Marshall fan. So, Welcome to uh, the Power Surge podcast. Oh, the the Power Surge. No, it was just one thing that really got me off off kilter yesterday. About, I, really didn't, didn't I want to watch the replay. I want to find out, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners will do, uh, will enjoy the replay um, before we play next week. Um, I don't know about you guys. I tend to watch it two or three times in between when we have a win. Um, the free kick against Pants Jack, on or off, Sean? Uh, usually off. Just to make sure there's easy access, um, I, I want to have a look at the replay for, of the Jack Nunes incident. Out on the wing, he and his opponent shoulder to shoulder, ball squirts out. It's a fifty-fifty ball there to be won by either or. It just looked like really solid body work to get front position yep. to you know buffet his opponent to get him a little bit off balance, blocking free kick. Everyone looked incredulous about it. They didn't show a replay, but you sit there going, "That's almost as bad." To be honest with you. That's in the ballpark. I've told this story on Twitter when we were sitting above the Brock McLean one on um, Brendan Goddard when the umpire paid a free kick against uh, Brock McLean for hitting him too hard. And Brock's Brock's (laughs) exact response was, are you fucking kidding me? What does that even mean? And you're sitting there going, what was the free kick for? And, and like I said, it was at a time in the game when we were enjoying really good momentum. Nunes would have gathered. He could have taken a bounce, taken 25-odd metres, kicked us deep. And you're sitting there going, just those little things, you don't want to get hung up on them. We've had a great win. That's not what we're about. But you're sort of going, mm. fuck, we seem to get a really bad go really regularly. Well, I, I've, always, I've always maintained that an umpire or a group of umpires, for some reason have this idea in their head of, oh, dogs are playing Carlton. I'm kind of thinking the dogs will win. So when there's a little bit of a 50-50, they're kind of going, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll give that to the dogs because we wouldn't want to be seen to be changing what the result should be. And and you sit there and you're going, well, realistically, until this umpiring core comes on board with the fact that we're a young, exciting, talented team that's genuinely going places, I still think we're going to probably end up getting the rough end of the pineapple. But, geez, I tell you what, when we come good and we are expected to win, geez, I hope we get a fair few free kicks along the journey because I reckon our our last couple of years, there haven't been too many games I've walked away from and gone, geez, we got a great run with the umpire today. It's been very much a rarity. What's the non-rough end of the pineapple yeah, neither end is favourable. Neither end's terribly favourable, to be honest. If you stick it up at date, um, you have to ask someone with experience what ends better. But uh, free kicks. Maybe finished. that's the whole point. Well, that might be the point. Actually, we might have happened there to cross, are no winners. We might have happened to cross that. There's no good end of the pineapple. Um, finished up twenty to twelve. My, my favourite is towards the end of the game when they kind of give you some real cheapies. They give you some real softies at like half back and stuff. I don't know that we got any. And you go, we got one or two, and you just went, thanks. Thanks. We'll, yeah. we'll take that yeah, set no. half back. Yeah, good not, stuff. Not not required. Yeah, yeah we don't required. need it now. You don't need to. You don't need to humour us anymore. Um, and then the other one, which was interesting, it'd be interesting to see in the replay, just just for curiosity's sake. I think it was your man, Mister Vandermeer, um, who took a mark, which the Lynchy swore black oh. and blue. The umpire said touched. Yeah. Swore black and blue. I'd said, love to see bits said, of that umpire. The umpire called touched off the boot, and Vandermeer just acted like I'd marked it, and the umpire went, "Oh, it's good enough for me. Have you kick." 
It was weird. It was weird. And, and especially if what two other said. umpires who can't overrule that. Well, if they've heard a whistle, some, or another umpire should just go, hold on, somebody's whistled. What did you whistle for? You can't but, change a decision. But <laughs> Alistair Lynch's commentary said the guy it. that was calling that it was touched was the guy yes. that then went and paid the mark. He's like, yeah, whatever. Don't well, let them well, have your kick, buddy. You can't do that. That's like Oz kick shit where you're like the kid sort of, yeah, get the kid a touch here. It's the end of the game. It doesn't matter. Just give the guy a kick. We're all about development. We're sheep station. <laughs> yeah, 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 we are. We, we don't want to, as I said, we don't want to get too caught up on it. But, geez, it's just, fuck, the Bulldogs just seem to be one of those teams that just get a really, really good go every week. What, just, they called, what, what do we call that, Sean? Western Suburbs Welfare. Get after it. <laughs> just tin archery of the highest order. It is tin archery. Um, move on to the votes now. Uh, go through them. Uh, the three twos and ones. We're waiting for those votes, obviously, to come through from the fans. And it looks like a pretty even spread, to be honest. So I, I don't think in the last week or two we've, we've had a fair few kind of um, consensus <coughs> consensus results. Um, don't get tested, Tim. Yeah, I think you need Timbo. <laughs> Jeez, I think you got the Rona. Um as I said, Fabian, you'll like this one. As I've, as I've always said, uh, success has many fathers. Failure is an orphan. So <laughs> when we have a good result, the votes flow for everyone. Like 12 players get votes. So yeah. our votes tonight, I went three for Jack Martin, thought he was stellar all game. Two for Michael Gibbons, who has developed into an absolutely magnificent AFL standard uh, midfielder in the last little while. He's, he's playing great footy. And one vote to Matty Kennedy. He's contested work. Uh, all night was excellent. He was really, really solid across the full four quarters. Yep. And I don't know about you guys, but oh, just oh, six, eight, nine, ten honourable mentions could have easily had um, a Absolutely. whole bunch of other guys. So when people's votes come in, it'll be interesting to see the way they fall. Fab went for the big McGovern, Shooter McGovern, Samo for yep. two, and Ed for the one. Timbo yep. went for Gibbons three, Jack Martin two, and Will Setterfield, who's fast becoming one of Timbo's favourites, he's closing in on on a few of those. Harry I think he's always he's always been on the Setters bandwagon. Yeah, he's probably one of those players that doesn't need to do as much to be able to sort of figure. Um, Mackay was was there with a little bit of a question mark, and it was just probably was it four full quarters, but certainly the way that he set the tone in the match, it um, it. it it, yeah. um, Harry kick. There was a big contribution towards the result, but I'm probably a bit gun shy after uh, um, the um, whatever it was, the Melbourne game or whatever, <laughs> where you thought um, where where obviously what I was seeing didn't really happen. So um, I think you would have got away with a low possession game. It's sort of pretty hard for me to uh, to come at it that hard. But same thing, Ed Kerno, big. Um, um, not an apology because I'm I'm happy with my three, but um, could very easily have been in there and been considered. I didn't have McGovern in there, even though instances in the game he just ripped the game apart. Levi Casbolt, you know, a couple of goals and obviously the, the big the big goal from downtown. I mean, the moment he kicked that, you thought we ain't losing tonight. Um, and yeah, he got a bit of you know media street this week and talked about his background and opportunities to leave the club and not really being loved. By others, and they talked about it in the, the commentary too. And you know, he's well and truly our boy. Um, and seeing him really contribute, really being part of the difference, having a great season. Big Pito. Can I ask a question, well? Dimbo? Yes, sir. Did Harry McKay have too many possessions for you to give him a vote? 
possibly. He probably played. <laughs> it was like the Zoolander fab. You don't like played himself out of both. Played you, himself out of contention. You know Natalie Portman's excuse for not dating Derek Zoolander. He's probably too good looking to consider a relationship. <laughs> you know, Harry just played probably played too well. For Tim to consider giving him votes tonight, um, but on, on Setterfield really quickly, I think that he's he's a guy that in the last probably since we've come back from the lockdown, you know, round one he was fine, he wasn't wasn't bad, he wasn't excellent. Since we've come back from the lockdown, Will Setterfield's been really really strong, really really good, and it just looks like a guy that's now played his twenty odd games, I think just just over twenty games, and has noticeably got the tempo, noticeably yep. got the rhythm of the game, noticeably you know, understands his role. So he was exceptional and, and I completely he, – he was one of those guys who was in that, as you said, the question marks going, geez. Is and he and I think the fact that he spent a lot of time on McRae too, who mm-hmm. at his best is a seriously good footballer and has been a thorn in our side a couple of times as well, to, to control him but to be able to contribute and really show composure and uh, – and, and yeah, even a bit of leadership through the middle there too. He was uh, he was very very reliable, and yeah, he just it just seems like it's clicking, doesn't it? I like that we're sort of employing a couple of these guys to do sort of run with roles, but not lock lockdowns. So you're not responsible as such, but be mindful of this guy's influence. And if you can hurt him going the other way, especially a guy like a McRae, geez, we don't know if how hard he's going to run back the other way. So yep. be mindful of him, but also take the opportunities he's going to give you. To punish them, so look, he was great. Like I said, um, Setterfield completely. Well, what's going on? No, no, I was just going to say because I say I wanted to say one more thing, but I didn't want to stop Fa- you from talking. No, no sorry, Fabian just, and Timbo were waving at each other on the webcam. No, no, I'm waving at Tim because Tim's waving, and I just thought I'd wave back. Go, you know, Timbo. The one, the one thing I just really wanted to say: there was a moment in tonight's game, and again, you know, we've all got our favourites, and we all know one of my hobby horses um, from the preseason was David Cunningham, but. The goal that we kicked at the very end of the second quarter with only 20 seconds left and the super fast movement coming off turnover and Cunningham going through the middle of the ground that ended up with the, the Eddie Betts, you know, a little left foot snap when he got free with Cripps one-on-one. Um, the pace that that ball went through the corridor and the fact that it was in Cunningham's hands, who is obviously quick over the ground but deadly by foot as well, um, that was, that was, yeah... If your pants are off on that one when you watch the replay, it might be uh, it might be some sort of trouble. But uh, it, yeah, real highlight for me. Loved it. I don't know how comfortable <laughs> I am with this new conversation. Um, yeah, so look, outstanding stuff, outstanding votes. Can't wait to see, obviously, what the listeners have, have put to us vote-wise. I had a quick look through just before, and it's um, cutting a few different ways, which is a positive. Um, obviously, we play Port next Sunday in the early game at the Gabba 105, which is... Uh, Good. I like the early starts. Um, and sorry to put you guys on the spot because obviously done a sort of an impromptu kind of record, but uh, something we want to introduce to the shows where we talk about the game that's just happened is a brief look forward to the game that's coming next, not so much in a review sense, but just what are some great wins? What are some great wins that we've enjoyed over our next opponent? Uh, and personally, what are your favourite victories? Or well, victories? I was just about to I was going to say this before you sprung this newly found segment on us, Sean. I was going to say in the last 20 years, have we enjoyed better wins against any other side apart from or another side more than we yeah, have against Port Adelaide. I don't think we've enjoyed better wins against any other team than we have more consistently, Port. They've, they've handed us some absolute shellackings because they've been a good team at times. Yeah, yeah, but in the 20 years, uh, a lot of teams are doing a shellacking. Very true. But, but um, you've got you know, the last game at Amy, the old football park, was obviously exceptional 
unbelievable win. Um, 2008 in the wet, Matty Cruiser kicking three big goals and Judd's sort of coming out party. It was unbelievable. There was one at um, Marvel Stadium a couple of years ago. We had a, just a magnificent win mm-hmm. uh, over there. Um, the MCG in, was it Johnny Barker's first victory? Johnny Barker's first win was there, yes, absolutely. Um, Lockie Henderson at full forward. Um, there's been some, what was the game, Timbo, where, I don't think we got over, did we get over the line when I left your house? Yeah, we did. It was a, it was a huge comeback. If I'm, yeah. I left your house, we were, we were a mile behind. That, we were out seven, seven goals seven, down. I think that might have been the Cruiser game. Yeah, that, I think it might have been, in about. the wet. So, who do we that, beat? There were wins that we had no right to even be involved with, but it just we just found a groove and it clicked, and we were able to make up ground. Like once we gathered momentum, um, we just uh, we, we were almost unstoppable, and it was just going to be a matter of um, of where we're going to be able to keep it together for long enough, maintain the ascendancy, and put it on the scoreboard. Um, Simo obviously kicked an enormous guy, left-footed goal in that game to give us the lead, I think. Um, and then obviously to- Tommy Bell, the dearly departed Tommy Bell, kicked the huge running goal, which I don't Big think was, I don't think it was a shot at goal, but um, just sort of floated through perfectly as if it was. He couldn't have hit it any sweeter in that 2013 game. And uh, obviously we all know what happened the next week. It was, a, it was a crazy game that we, as you said, Timbo, we were playing really, really bad football. And then all of a sudden we were playing some of the best football you've ever seen. And then, and then, like, Justin Westhoff, who's, like, 137 years old, he'll never retire. Like, Jay Schultz and then Chad, Win- Schultz, Chad yeah. Wingard, tin arsery, kicking these just ludicrous yeah. goals. Chad Wingard got on a little good. It was the fact that Dom Kostiki threw, threw the it. He shoveled him. it out to him. It was like a ruck. Um, yep. And then that, that, too, that's got some of my all-time favourite. Yaz kicks a great goal. Bryce Gibbs. Kicks a really classic running goal running in. Mark Murphy. Played Little League here as a kid. I knew you, that's why I set you up because I knew you were going to say it. I knew yeah, you were going to say you, it. I knew it was coming. Um, in your dreams, Carlton fans. Captain's, uh, captain's goal from Mark Murphy. Absolutely magnificent. And it was actually one of the, I think it was the Gibbs goal. I reckon it was the, I reckon Andy McInnes might have hacked it forward. And it was one of those moments where obviously when you're watching on TV, you've, yeah, only, you've, only, got, you've only got the hard cam view of what's happening. So Andy McInnes hacks the ball forward and you're going, you're waiting that split second going, who the fuck's there? Is anyone there? Yes, yeah, Bryce Gibbs on his, his own. <laughs> 40 <laughs> metres in the clear. It's like he's got the rona. He's got a 50 metre perimeter around him <laughs> as he's running into goal. And he just, he, he dobs it and it's just it's sensational. I think, look, that, for, for what that game meant, for what that game led to, the nature of the win, like Fab said, we've had some super-duper wins over them in the last couple of years or the last sort of 10 or 15 years, but that uh, final round of 2013 is probably my favourite win over them um, since they've come into the competition. Absolutely. Has to be. Has to be for great, what, was, you, what you, was at stake. You notice, um, Fabian, that Tim's got nothing to say here because that win cuts him up. Ah, oh, I, I just still remember. He was wearing his half-half scarf, did. his half-half power Carlton scarf. Yeah. No, I was, I was in Apollo Bay and it was our uh, our baby moon before Patty came along. And uh, my wife, being the wonderful woman that she is, she, she afforded me that three-hour window to be able to watch the footy and all that sort of stuff. And just so cheesed off with so much on the line that we just weren't in the game at all. And then um, and then we just had this habit of, uh, of just gathering momentum. And so in the end, my text messages to Fab just, just ended up being, 
It was the margin and it was the time that was left and that was all that I would write. And the whole time you're texting and, and, you, and you're sitting there and you're going, you just got the feeling we're going to win this. And, and even then, as you say, we had it. We'd done enough to win it. And yet these goals just kept on coming from absolutely nowhere down the other end. You're thinking, how do they keep manufacturing not just scores, but goals and, and some of the best goals you've ever seen. You've gone, will this team not go away, please? That's, so, what, that's a really... It was one of the best fortnights of football. Oh, yeah. One of the what? best fortnights of football, yeah. yeah. I think that's a really good result. Like, even tonight is, is a bit like that, where <clears throat> because we've been a struggling team for so long or for so many parts of, you know, recent history, we've had... We've had better teams than people want to give us credit for. They haven't been absolutely outstanding, but we've had periods over the last 20-odd years where our teams have been okay, sometimes even better than okay. But we've obviously had a lot of periods where our teams have been ordinary. And a byproduct of that is, and we saw it a little bit tonight, was there's always that sense of, are we far enough ahead? Like tonight, we'll watch the replay tomorrow, and it'll be like never in doubt. You'll be watching, yeah. you'll be watching the game dispassionately and going, we're just controlling this. We're all over them. We're yeah. all over them. They don't have the time. They don't have the quality to actually beat us tonight. Whereas that Port game was a bit like that, where you're sort of going, geez, we're playing really well, aren't we? We are playing well when we mounted the comeback. And you're going, we are. We're actually playing well enough to win this, are we? Are we? Are well, we? the commentators suggested as much that we, it, was just, it was our execution more than more than anything that was keeping us out of it in the first half. But it's, it's not only one of my favourite wins against Port. It's one of my favourite wins ever. Yeah, it, it was just, it's one of those, it's one of those games that I regularly, I'll go to. We put it on the office and Pete has to put up with watching Carlton Port Adelaide. <laughs> oh, I still have, Pete probably doesn't mind it after 2004, watching the power lose, but oh, I've got to say, that Jared Waite shot for goal, the set shot, every time I see The one it, that is missing. How just, did it not hit the post? It, it's like it's magnetic. It's just kind of, it's, it's on the post the whole way. And then just deviates. It deviates it's, enough to miss the post and then just resumes its original course <laughs> after it goes past the post. It's absolutely laughable. Yeah. Um, Do you remember, and he, miss, he misses him comfortably. That's not even, you can't even consider it a big hit. Volcano. But it's <laughs> Nick Diger trying to kill Kane Corns on centre wing is brilliant. He didn't even try to kill him. He just tried to buffet him, just give him a bit of a hip and shoulder. And Kane goes down like he's been shot. Kane goes down like he's, Kane. Kane goes down like he's like he's JFK in Dealey Plaza. He goes down like it's all over, and you're sitting there going, "That's one of those moments that I don't think they bring up often enough." At the footy show, that's just to me would be perfect folly. Well, someone's got to get this gift lined up, and you don't want to upset the footy gods and go early. But you know, just get it ready that if we can get a win next week, that he's just bombarded with his gift. We send it out to all Blues fans just to retweet. <laughs> <laughs> and especially if Sam Walsh has a good game ahead of Connor Rosie as well. If Sam Walsh can be Nick Dygan, going through Connor Rosie would be even better. But <laughs> Going through Connor Rosie? Yeah, that's it. See him on the centre wing and go, fuck it, I'm taking him out. <laughs> I'm ending his life. <laughs> I'm um, ending this debate once and for all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um well, look, gentlemen, I think I say uh, speak for all of us in this chat and, and all of us uh, listening along. I think it was a really, really fantastic way to end the weekend, to enjoy a, a super win, perhaps the probably the most complete or the best performance we've put in for quite some time. So obviously we'll sleep Absolutely. easy tonight. Uh, we'll all watch the replay tomorrow and in countless times throughout the course of the week and look forward to Port Adelaide on Sunday. Um, and that wraps us up, doesn't it? I think so. What do you want, Fab? 
What are you doing, Fab? I'm laughing because I'm only hearing every tenth word that's coming out of your mouth, and it sounds funny. What's your battery? It, it is Matty Cruiser. Matty Cruiser, we're all okay, we've survived. Uh, look, for, <laughs> obviously, as always, uh, if you are listening to this and you haven't given a 321, hit us up at the Prendercast on Twitter. Uh, you'll see the tweet there, just reply below it. Um, let us know your 321, we'll update that player of the year standings. Uh, as always, you can find Timbo on Twitter at Hoff47 if you want to wax about Will Setterfield or Harry Mackay or. Uh, Horse racing. Big fan of Weedering, big fan of you know, Dead Five, Railin. Geldings, mares. Um, if you want to talk about any of that, Royal Ascot, the Golden Eagle, get onto Timbo and he'll talk all about it. Uh, Fabiano underscore G7. Uh, if you want to talk to him about uh, biscotti or um, what are they? What are those? Mix Max? What are they? They're called Mix Max, right? Yeah, Mix Maxes. If you want to talk about Miss Mix Maxes or biscotti or. Francesco. Anything you want, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> uh, and me, Sean Peter Budge, don't talk to me at all. Um, <laughs> we're delirious. But that's it for us tonight. Uh, thank you so much for your time, Timbo. It's always a pleasure. We'll catch you again next week. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Sean. And, of course, Fabian Fabaganoush, Guadagnolo, currently on Matt Kennedy Battery Life. <laughs> no, we've gone straight to that my producer. <laughs> We're oh, dropping. We're dropping. <laughs> we'll catch you next week, Blue Boys. Go, the boys. Go, Blue. Go, guys. Cheers.